Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And you're getting a double dip of Green and Gold Forever this week. Uh, we had another episode just a couple of days ago. But since then, there's been quite a change in the feeling of the Packers preseason. Not only did they drop their second preseason game to the Pittsburgh Steelers by a score of 24-19, to but much bigger news is the loss of Jordy Nelson, who made a routine catch, came down on his knee, and he will miss the rest of the 2015 season. By now, uh, if you're listening to this show, you obviously know that, but we'll talk about that and uh, some of the other things that happened in the game, and uh, we'll touch upon a couple of other things. It's going to be an abbreviated podcast today, but uh, we really wanted to talk about this. It feels like the Packer Nation's a bit in mourning, Matt. Um, Jordy's one of everybody's favorites. Yeah, and I, I think I've we've seen a lot over the past couple of days, you know, how the Packers are going to be okay. They've got some depth there, got some guys to fill in. But I, you made a really good point when we were watching the game the other day, too. Not together, but, you know, you, were, you texted me this, that although, you know, they may be okay and they've got people to fill slots, he's obviously a big loss in that aspect, too. But even more so, I mean, we're not just like these heartless GMs. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, jo- Jordy's a fun guy to watch, and he's, you know, one of pretty much everybody's favorite guys to watch on the team, and he's been awesome to see him develop over the past few years. So just as a you know, going into the season, knowing you're not going to get to see that guy, I mean, that's kind of heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. As you know, apart from the Super Bowl odds, maybe now, mm-hmm. apart from that, you know, just not having him out there is just kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you in a season like this, you start to fantasize a little bit about what might happen uh, as the the year goes by, but you know, I. You'll take it if it comes, but if they win the Super Bowl, you want Jordy to be a part of those highlights, you know, for all those years. It'll feel like it's missing something, even if it does go down that way. Yeah, I mean, just think about the Super Bowl win. I know people might forget it, but two of my favorite Packers probably of all time, the two of them both got hurt in the Super Bowl that they won. Mm-hmm. And it, although it was still awesome, it still hurt a lot to not see them play in that game and to, you know, get out there and feel like they earned that game mm-hmm. uh, in Woodson and Driver. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be... Although I think think they can still do it, it's just not going to quite be the same without 87. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and the loss of Jordy Nelson has had a cascading effect not only for the Packers but around the world. I mean, the stock market crashing the last two days <laughs> uh, obviously has to do with uh, the change in the Packers' uh, Super Bowl chances. I think. Yeah, absolutely. So when this first happened, I was so like I think like everybody, it was just so angry that. You know, a guy like Jordy would have this, and uh, I don't want to take any credit for the injury because I talked about that that Pittsburgh game from 1995 when Brett Favre got hurt, and it was a bright sunny day in '95, just like it was uh, last Sunday. And so, obviously, you know, we all wish that there's no injuries. Yeah, my mind went right to that too, and Rodgers got crushed on that safety. I was like, damn it, Eric. <laughs> Luckily, Rodgers bounced back up, and that's exactly what I thought about. He got hammered in the end zone. There, it's like, no, it's happening again. I've never felt so uncomfortable before a game because it looked so much like that Pittsburgh game in 1995. Just the same bright sunny day, you know, the same uniform combination. And obviously you don't expect to happen what happened. And and Jordy Nelson wasn't alone. I mean, TJ Lang got hurt and there were several other guys who got carted off. It looked for a while there like Demarius Randall had a serious injury. And and then he comes trotting out of the tunnel. I think he got an interception after he got carted off. So um, I don't remember the, the, the sequencing there, but... Just a weird game, and the Packers got dominated on this uh, stat sheet. They only had 10 first downs, 200 yards of total offense, and we were talking a little bit before we uh, started recording, and and you had mentioned that, you know, they hardly even 
got a first down at all in the second half. And I guess my mind kind of went blank after Rodgers left the field. I was just terrified that we were going to lose our whole team on one meaningless August afternoon. Right. Um, but speaking of that, using the word meaningless, um, Aaron Rodgers, going back to an earlier point I was going to make, that Aaron Rodgers said he thinks the preseason is meaningless and he's, he's upset that they lost a guy in a meaningless game and that it should be reduced. But, I mean, this was the second preseason game. I mean, you're never going to reduce it lesser than two. So it might have happened anyways. And I don't know. I was so angry at first about what had happened, but it was such a fluke play. And I was going to say uh, some kind of thing. We've talked about injuries and how they seem to be going up. But then right when I was about to say, oh, my gosh, it's the modern-day NFL. People getting hurt too much. What are they doing? Why are they going to fix it? Then I thought about Kajana Carter. And then I thought about Edgar Bennett and Craig Newsom getting hurt on the first two series of the 97 season. I mean, this has been happening forever. Right. And you, you just want something to blame so bad. And that was my first thought, too, is, man, I hate the preseason, even though I historically have been one that kind of likes the four-game preseason. Mm-hmm. And I, it's just like you need something. There was nothing to blame that play on. That could have very well happened in practice. You can maybe get a little angry at the Pittsburgh turf. I know mm-hmm. they've always kind of had some issues, but I was even kind of keying on that after the injury happened, too, and I didn't notice too many problems after that. Lacey slipped on the touchdown, but that's about yeah. it. Yeah, so I, I don't – you just – and Rodgers especially, I mean, as, as hard as it is for us to swallow him getting hurt, imagine how hard it is for him knowing his best target's gone. Mm-hmm. You're initially going to try to get to something, and, and he's also a guy that probably doesn't need a whole lot of preseason reps. So mm-hmm. I I've, I think the preseason's fine as how it is, and I don't think that's to blame for this either. It, it could have very well happened at any time. Mm-hmm. Just those ACL pops seem to happen at the weirdest times. He just landed. It didn't even look like that awkward of a landing and just folded up. Yeah, when he first went down, I immediately thought he's done for the year, just the way he fell. And then I think Rich Gannon or Kevin Harlan had said, oh, he twisted his ankle. So I was like, oh, good. And he kind of ran off. And so I'm like, okay, he's going to be all right. And then they showed the replay, and his ankle wasn't twisted. And then once again, I'm like, yep, that this is not, yeah, it's got to be Yeah, it either had to be ACL or Achilles or something gone there for him to just fold up like that. But it it was kind of strange. Usually for the ACLs, I mean, you can walk a little bit, Mm -hmm. but he – he was on the sidelines, and then they showed him walking like a like regular on the sidelines with the trainers. You would think if they had a you know a strong inclination that it was an ACL, they would have taken him right to the locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having seen him fall over on the field like that, you would think they would go right to that to check it. But they were just walking around on the sidelines with him like nothing happened until he went to the locker room. Yeah, it's always burned in my brain. Javon Walker walking off the field and walking to the locker room when he tore his ACL, but he didn't jog off the field and then walk at his completely normal pace like Jordy did. And so I still held up hope, but that, yeah, they confirmed it yesterday, but I think that everybody kind of knew if you've watched enough football. Um, the, The one thing that this injury is an unfortunate reminder of, at least for me, but probably all Packer fans, and maybe even some within the organization, there's been so much talk this offseason about the redemption for last year and how this year is all about making right what went wrong last year and everybody picking the Packers to win and tremendous confidence from the Packers fan base that this is going to be the year. And just because you want redemption does not mean it's assured. And last year... It does not have to be atoned. They could go the rest of the time, and that loss never gets fixed. I mean, ask a Cleveland Browns fan. You know, 1986 should have been atoned in 87 and 89, and it never did, and their team moved away, and they've never been the same. You know, that's not going to happen to the Packers, but I think 
our fans and especially fans of our generation, when we grew up with the Holmgren Packers, you could not write a storybook that followed a more logical pathway and storyline than those early Holmgren teams did. And so I think they just expect that that's how it's supposed to be. You lose the NFC Championship, well, that means you win the Super Bowl the next year in dominating (laughs) fashion. It doesn't work that way. They certainly can still do it. But this should be a reminder that it's going to be much tougher than anybody thinks. Even if intellectually you know it's going to be tough, I don't think in their gut people really believe that it's going to be as hard as it's going to be. Right. I mean, just look at this Packers team with the 49ers issues they had. You know, every single time we're like, oh, there's no way Rodgers loses to him this time. We're going out and crushing him, and then we lose every single time. Yeah. And, and, you know, same with Seattle. We haven't beaten them in forever. It's not like last year was the first time we lost to them. Yeah, we've never beaten this regime. The last time we beat him, Jim Morrow was the coach. And it's not like the last, there wasn't another time that wasn't, uh, also very heartbreaking too with the, the, uh, the fail Mary. Yeah. So it, it's, these things don't always get, uh, get bounced back in the other direction here. So I, I agree. Just, just seeing what happened last year doesn't automatically mean that we're going to come back and beat Seattle in the NFC championship game this year. Mm-hmm. And now clearly this makes it a whole lot harder. And we also got the return on Twitter, at least, and, and I saw it on Facebook enough as well, the return of the R-E-L-A-X. Which was your favorite oh, thing? Jesus! Oh my God! I saw that on like three people's Facebook posts. I was like, <laughs> No! I thought we were done with this for good, finally. And I was just absolutely devastated to see people it, it, right up along with the Jordy injury to see people requoting the relax this year when I thought it was finally done after last year. But yeah, um, yeah, just quit it. If anybody's listening who's doing that, it, it's the stupidest thing. I, I get it. All right, one season maybe some people liked it, but I can't handle it, and I thought it was done. <laughs> And now it's back. And we're certainly not advocating anybody to P-A-N-I-C. Just right. stop relaxing. Be be reasonably concerned for a player you really like. Exactly. Like you don't, <laughs> you can't go back to that every time there's a problem with the Packers. I'm not saying that the world's going to explode, but it's a serious issue. And one of yeah. our favorite players got injured. If I hear the R-E-L-A-X, it makes me just way more angry about it. Well, and that's another thing is it's the get-out-of-jail-free card for the, you know, I get accused of being a naysayer all the time that, oh, man, because I acknowledge that Seattle might be a better team, that all of a sudden I don't believe the Packers can beat Seattle. That's certainly not the case, but every time there's a problem with the team or if something bad happens, you can't just say, oh, relax, it'll be fine, because remember 2014? I mean, I heard, I saw a bunch of people talking about how, man, last time uh, Rodgers lost some of his best targets was 2010. You know what that means? I'm like, well, it also happened in 2012, and it happened in a lot of other years where they didn't win the Super Bowl. Right. So it probably doesn't mean anything for the long-term um, viability of a Super Bowl this year. It's going to be more difficult than it would have otherwise been. It doesn't take anything off the table, but if you think this is just some small loss, you're kidding yourself. Yeah, and it seems like, as is really common, you know, if you watch ESPN, you'd see this all the time, but it seems like with this reaction locally, it's kind of been the same. Whereas your initial feeling is so drastic one way, you know, they're screwed, season's lost, no Super Bowl, that people automatically start reacting on the, the, the strong yeah. end of the other side there when that's clearly not logical either, mm-hmm. that, you know, it has no impact basically. Is Next man up, I saw that a ton too. Oh, yeah, I, I can't believe that people are still using that. That's worse than the relax thing too. That's <laughs> been outdated for about 10 years. But, yeah, yeah it's, it's just like there's not much middle ground, and luckily it seems like you and I both fit in, and hopefully our listeners do, but mm-hmm. it's not – Either it's not a deal at all or it's not the end of the world, but it, it's significant, and I think we can address that and, and actually take that into consideration that this is going to affect our odds. Yeah, I, I imagine the people that are typing next man up on Twitter are wearing a no-fear shirt and chugging surge. <laughs> but, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, so let's move forward then. Uh, so they're going to have to try to find a way to replace Jordy Nelson 
kind of a blow in uh, Reggie Wayne signing with New England. Um, you know, it, you you never want an injury to happen, but if the injury would have happened on Saturday, it might have had a better chance of getting Reggie Wayne than it happening in one of the last games of the the second week of the preseason. So he's not going to be a viable option. James Jones is with the Giants, but there's talk that he might potentially not make that team. So there's certainly you would think they'd at least have that conversation. Not that they'd go run out and grab him right away, but it'd be a conversation worth having. Outside of that, is Wes Welker really that viable? Or is or is the the real solution probably just on the team? I don't know if I'd say either of those things. I don't know if James Jones, Reggie Wayne, or Wes Welker are the options, but mm-hmm. I'm a little scared going into it with a rookie, Ty Montgomery, who hasn't caught a ton of passes in the preseason, and maybe Je- Jeff Janis is your fourth. I'm mm-hmm. not real comfortable with that either. I think you could maybe bring in a another player. I don't want Wes Welker. He brings nothing to your team that you don't already have. Mm-hmm. But if you can maybe get a veteran, like, you know, I guess I would be interested maybe in James Jones, but for him to get, you know, let go from the Raiders and potentially get cut from the Giants, two teams that are much worse than you and way more desperate for receivers, it kind of tells you that maybe, although he was very good here, that maybe that had a lot to do with Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Um, they're at least comfortable with each other, but you would think that there's got to be somebody else out there that's going to get released from a team that's um, you know, maybe a younger player that has some potential that you can develop. So I'd, I'm I'm a little uncomfortable with what we have, but I don't know if those guys are the best options either. Yeah, uh, I, I don't want Wes Welker at all. What he does best is what Randall Cobb does best. Mm-hmm. And so what are you going to do, stick Cobb outside and then have a less-than-dynamic slot guy who might get hurt and might not be that good anymore? Um, for Jordy Nelson, he's clearly... A, a difference maker. He's is a physical freak. He does a lot of different things. But from a body type standpoint, Devonte Adams is incredibly similar. Yep. So I think he could at least attempt to play that position up to 75, 80 percent as well as Jordy Nelson did. And then you can hopefully find maybe Jeff Janis or somebody to play the other perimeter guy, so you could keep Randall Cobb in the slot most of the time. Um, I, I think they're going to go with what they have and hope for the best, maybe hope some young guy that maybe we've never heard of that they could steal from somebody else's practice squad and, and try to get him in there. But honestly, I think the solution is going to be more formations that call for Richard Rodgers to, to be out on the, you know, off the line and out wide. I, I think that's probably what they're going to end up doing. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, and I guess it's, it's his chance to shine. I agree with you that Devontae can do a lot of the things Jordy can. Uh, just doesn't quite have the comfort level with Aaron yet, and we haven't just haven't seen that production. And the things that Jordy did last year proved that he was, you know, probably a top five receiver in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He's not just a, a big white guy that can catch passes. I mean, he's a, a deep threat and a speed demon, and does everything very well. Yeah. And I can't imagine Devontae having the same kind of back shoulder throw connection with Rodgers and that sort of chemistry that they have going into this year too. So you lose that mm-hmm. a little bit. Well, he showed flashes of it late at the at the end of True. last yep. year with the, the Dallas game. He had a really good back shoulder, but yeah, it's not going to be the same as you know Rodgers and Jordy been together for eight years. Well, it, I just thought of this uh, how much it sucks that we're losing maybe the prime year for yeah, Jordy Nelson. I would agree with that. If it wasn't last year, it'd probably be this year, and then you know you could probably still get pretty good next year but then you have no idea what you're getting coming off of an acl injury too so yeah not everybody's jerry rice where they you know blow an achilles and then play awesome until they're 40 you know so yeah so it's very reasonable that last year was the best year we've ever seen out of jordy yeah yeah that's a that it was a bad year i mean that's hard to top oh no it was a spectacular year but it's just disappointing that you'll never get a chance to see it at that level again potentially yeah. but we'll see but you know um 
I, I think Jordy Nelson could probably be replaced by uh, Jeff Janis, maybe uh, Jared Aberderis, Wes Welker, um, maybe Miles White. I'm, I'm not quite sure on, on that one. But, yeah, so uh, it sucks. What else sucked was the O-line. Um, as you mentioned already, Aaron Rodgers got smashed. People were saying on Twitter that he had a bandage or something around his arm. I never saw that on the broadcast, and after somebody uh, said it to me, I looked and he already had it off, so I don't think he's seriously injured. TJ Lang was uh, left the game being evaluated for a concussion. Uh, I couldn't find whether or not he has one, but you would think he's going to be out for a while if they were even having any suspicion that he had a concussion. I thought the O-line was terrible oh, for yeah, the second awful. straight week. Yeah, it, which is concerning because they were so good last year, and I know you've had some guys that have been banged up and playing for the first time in a while, but, I, I mean, they were awesome last year. That was the best offensive line we've seen in a really long time. Mm-hmm. I, I guess you hope they can get back to it for the regular season. I doubt they just completely fall apart, but, man, they, they have looked really bad. It's been the worst unit on the team. Yeah, and granted, well, I was going to say that they're playing Pittsburgh and New England, but... You know, those defenses and, aren't yeah. what they were in 2004, you know. Right, yeah, you think about those defenses, and but really what they have left isn't nearly what they had been. You don't have a lot of big-name pass rushers or anything like that anymore on those defenses. They're pretty standard to what you're going to see week in and week out. One thing I did read is that they were playing a lot more isolation stuff, so it was just basically guys one-on-one. Um, sure. Now, granted, you don't want to see your guys getting whooped one-on-one by a so-so defense, but... You know, if it's still a problem, there's things you can do strategically to try to help that once the season starts, and in the in the preseason, you really don't care to do that. Yeah, I th- I, I, that's kind of what we talked about in the last podcast. Too, yeah. You're not going to unveil all your blocking techniques, too, and, and a lot of it's probably going to be the same as what you had last year, but I, I think you just kind of do the real basic man-on-man, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they'll be fine. I'm not too worried about it. I, I'm sure they'll get it turned around, though. Yeah, Um one positive was Eddie Lacy looks like Emmett Smith. Like mm-hmm. he looks unstoppable. It, he seems like he gets seven, eight yards every time he touches the ball. I would not let him put a uniform on for the last preseason, last two preseason games. And yep. maybe I'm just a wimp, but I wouldn't. No, and we've seen that with running backs too over the past decade and a half, where they won't. The elite ones generally won't play at all in the preseason. Yeah, and there's really no point for them other than maybe working on your your blitz pickup technique or the routes. There's no point on a running back running in the preseason because it's it's one of the more simple things you can possibly do on a football field. Yeah. If you know where your gaps are, you know how to run and be elusive, obviously. It's just an aid for these guys. Mm-hmm. So there's no point for him to get out there and be taking shots at one of the most violent positions on the field. I would much rather he didn't play again for two more weeks, even if it maybe means a little bit slower start week one. Yeah, because if you lose him and Jordy, then we're talking some big-time doubts about how good this offense could potentially be, I think. Right. Um, Rogers, I think you'll play him a little bit in game three, but I don't necessarily think you need him in game four. Um, especially if your offensive, if, if TJ Lang isn't playing and you have TJ Lang an, out and David Bakhtiari out, forget it. It's not worth it. Right. At least I don't think so. Yeah. I, I think that the team would agree with that too. I don't think they'll throw him out there if they've got a ragtag offensive line. <laughs> Even with the full offensive line they've had lately, I'd be curious to see how much they put him out there at all, if at all. Yeah, because I think they planned on playing Rodgers quite a bit more, and then he got popped. and then... Got hammered, and then they took him out right away. Yeah, so that makes sense. Uh, one last thing about the game. the Our offense maybe won't be the super-duper 2011 offense that everybody was hoping now that Jordy's gone, but uh, they might not have to be with how good this secondary looks. Yeah. 
yeah, these young guys have really impressed. And Rollins didn't look quite as good in that game, but, um, you know, everybody else, really, Gunter stepped up and played well. Mm-hmm. Um, really, a lot of the young guys played really, really well. And Demarius Randall's first action was great. Yeah, Demarius Randall looked incredible. He was kind of like Rollins of, of this week is his first game ever as an NFL player, and he looked outstanding. Mm-hmm. So if you get those guys playing like that week in and week out, you've got something really special. Yeah, absolutely. And so the one thing, I, obviously I'm no uh, personnel evaluator, but the one thing I always look for cornerbacks is I don't care where they are and how good their positioning is and if they get burned every once in a while. The main thing I look for is whether or not they panic when the ball is in the air. And now you played that position and you almost played it uh, semi-pro last year. But I always thought of guys like Jared Bush who could always stay with everybody, but once the ball was coming at him, he didn't know what to do. He would panic. He would get turned around trying to find the ball and couldn't do it. These guys seem to stay with it. They don't get, they don't panic when the ball comes their way. Even if they're out of position, they reposition themselves and they find a way to make a play. And I think as long as you can have that, the speed is a bit overrated. Right, and, and you saw that big time with Rollins in the first preseason game where he made that incredible interception, and that's what blew me away, too, is you just don't see a lot of veterans make that play. and just has that ball skill that just very few people have, and it's almost something you can't really teach because, like you said, um, and people who have played that position or played receiver even can 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 think about the times when that ball's in the air and what's going through your head. It's just a really weird time that seems to take forever. And you can either be the guy that goes and gets it or the guy that just sort of their heart starts to flutter and they panic a little bit and, you know, just kind of lose their mind a little while the ball's in the air. It's it's a really weird feeling and experience to have on a football field. When you can't really see around you, you're looking at a ball, it's in the air for forever. Um, and the whole world's looking at you. <laughs> yeah, everybody in the world's looking at you. The crowd, you just hear like a collective gasp sort of. It's It's really hard to explain, but it's a really unique feeling. So it's... Like you said, there's there's very few guys that do it well. So for two rookies to come in and probably the you know the biggest crowds they've played in front of and to play that well was really impressive. Yeah, so Ted might have hit the jackpot at least twice and potentially three times with the uh, free agent acquisition too. So um, I'm excited. I'm still excited. I still think this team has as good a chance as anybody to win a Super Bowl. Um, I'm not going to say next man up or relax because there's a lot of other good teams that are saying next man up and relax also. But uh, they, they're they still positioned as well as anybody else right now. Yeah, uh, and yeah. Team, teams are going to lose significant players. We're not going to be the only ones. You just have to hope that this is it, hopefully for the Packers, and that we're not talking about the same thing next week as well with another big injury. Other, other teams are going to lose huge players. It happens to everybody. It's just, you know, keep it moving and don't lose anybody else big. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't have much else to talk about uh, for the preseason. There was one little thing I wanted to bring up. Um, It's not really even that interesting or pertinent to what happened yesterday, but it was just a thought I had this morning, and I kind of wanted your thoughts on it. So last night, rather than watch the Buccaneers against the Bengals, the Bengals are like an automatic channel changer for me. They're so boring. Um, yeah, and I watched it, and they were right in line with that too. Yeah, terrible. they got Their destroyed. Was miserable. <laughs> yeah, and and so I saw the score, but um, instead of watching that, I I, I reference quite often that I have a old, uh, quite a large old football game collection, and so uh, I decided to watch an old preseason game, and I watched the 1998 Monday Night Football preseason game when the Packers traveled to Denver, and part of the reason I watched it is because it actually occurred on Monday, August 24th, which was yesterday. And it was 
it was interesting to see how different the preseason was then. And also, I had remembered that game vaguely. We watched all the regular season games, but I don't think we started watching the preseason games till we were like in high school. And uh, this would have been, I would have been 11 years old when the this game happened. And I just remember the Packers getting smushed, and they didn't. It was actually a really competitive game, and they lost on a last-second field goal. And when the starters left the game, it was 21-17 Denver. Um, so I think I got it flip-flopped with the 99 game when they got killed in the regular season. But anyways, one of the cool things was it had halftime on it. And during halftime, they had uh, Boomer Esiason, Dan Deerdorf, and Al Michaels make their Super Bowl 33 picks. And Boomer picked the Jags and the Buccaneers, and Dan Deerdorf picked the Chiefs and the Packers, and Al Michaels picked the Jags and the 49ers. And I just kept thinking to myself, I really want to watch all three of those games. Yeah. And I started thinking about all the teams from that year that were referenced throughout that game, and... They were talking about Vinny Testaverde coming off two really good years in Baltimore and how he's going to lead the Jets, who also have Curtis Martin, and, and Mark Brunel is back on the top of his game. And there were so many teams that they referenced that I just really wanted to watch. And then I started thinking about the Bengals and these teams that we have today. I just think there are so it, – it, it's probably somewhat rose-colored glasses, but I there's some teams that I'm just so bored by now. I feel like there's – there's not as many exciting Jacksonville Jaguars of the 90s type yeah. exciting teams like there used to be. Yeah, and that was a really weird time period, too, from like 98 to 2000 because you had the old powers kind of transitioning, like the, the Cowboys and the Niners and the mm-hmm. Broncos were kind of fading out a little bit, and even the Packers weren't the same team after that. So yeah. you had a lot of these weird teams popping up, too, that were um, were like that. I, yeah, I don't know. It, it's tough to tell. You could maybe say that, but would you really think maybe a Vinny Testaverde-led Jets team was that exciting if they were playing now? I, you know, that maybe <laughs> is just kind of like, you know, whatever. And, you know, maybe a Phillip Rivers Charger team is kind of like the Jaguars from back then or something, you know. So they're probably all comparable, and I think the time frames are probably pretty similar if you really compare them side by side. But, yeah, that was that was a fun time with a lot of weird yeah. <laughs> like teams that and anybody could have won it. Well, I have a theory as to why I think that time might have been more exciting. And I'm going to blame Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. And not because of how successful they have been um, as teams, but how successful they have been playing the quarterback position a particular way. I th- When you, you think about a lot of those 90s quarterbacks, you have Favre and Elway and Steve Young and Mark Brunel and even Marino. Jim Kelly, you could throw him in there. They all have, they're all very good, but it's a kind of a reckless style in the case of Young and Brunel or a high-risk style in the case of Favre and Elway and Kelly and Old Marino where they took more chances and it, it was kind of a fiery, feisty kind of quarterback. And as good as Peyton and Brady are, they're almost too good. They go back there, they sit in the pocket, they don't do hardly anything in the pocket, and they complete it to the receiver every time. And it's inspired a generation of clones who aren't that good but are too afraid to throw interceptions. They try to play the same way, yeah. Yeah, and so I'm like hoping that Andrew Luck is the one who is able to inspire the next generation and we get some more guys that are running and diving and throwing into coverage because, honestly, the idea of watching a 21-17, you know, 98 Jaguars against Drew Bledsoe's Patriots, to me, is much more exciting than one of these, you know, Brady versus Manning, 45-41, where both quarterbacks have 140 passer rating and nobody gets an interception. I want to see some messy, you know, reckless, I want some heart on this game. I'm tired of precision. 
Sure. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it's it's bred a lot of Alex Smith, Sam Bradford type guys <laughs> yeah. in the NFL that are just horrible to watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, watching the Chiefs on offense, if they didn't have Jamal Charles playing, they're unwatchable. Yeah. Uh, just the just the chance that he can bust a big play is the only reason you would even watch the channel while they're on offense. So, I agree. There, it didn't seem like there was that many of those type of guys back then. There was more interceptions thrown. I don't have the stats on that, but I'd almost guarantee it. Oh yeah, I'm sure. So, yeah, that, that, that's a very good point. You know, a lot more interceptions and a lot more excitement on offense maybe. But uh, there's still a lot of teams like that, but there are some probably more really boring teams than there used to be. Yeah. Um, granted, when they were talking about the Jags, they, they weren't bringing up Tony Banks' Rams and, you know, the, right. the the bad Jeff Blake Bengals and some of those, like, just atrocious teams. So I'm sure there's tons that I'm forgetting, but – at least for the the quarterback club echelon, you know, I would trade, and I would trade fifty Andy Dalton and Joe Flacco's for one Mark Brunel right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, so that's going to wrap up um, our early episode, unless, or, or not our early episode, our brief episode, unless Matt, do you have anything you want to add? No, no, not that I can think of. So the Packers finally get to come home. Uh, they're going to play the Philadelphia Eagles on Saturday, and then right away on Thursday, they're going to take on the New Orleans Saints, or maybe that's Friday, actually. Um, no, I think it's Thursday the 3rd, so they have a couple of games right in a row. So we we probably will wait, unless something major happens, until after the second preseason game uh, to have our next podcast. But in the meantime, we did have quite a lengthy podcast a couple of days ago where we talked about um, a list I created of a whole bunch of stats of the best teams in NFL history and so we talked about them there's some big shockers in there and I'm certainly not advocating that it's the best list in history and the the one that is the definitive be-all end-all of the top uh, 15 teams in history but it's worth a a listen and uh, I'm going to try to write some more from time to time about what else this list has produced uh, because there's thousands of teams on there Uh, one thing we did talk about Matt is where the Giants ranked because the New England Patriots of 2007 ranked as the second best team of all time Uh, According to this statistically, the Giants finished 449th uh, of all time. So about what a borderline playoff team, if if you go by that. So that seems about right. right, They were the third worst Super Bowl participant, uh, edging out by a significant margin. The 2008 Cardinals. And the worst Super Bowl participant was the 1979 9-7 Rams. So that seems fair. Um, And I did look up the worst Packer team of all time. These are just since the merger that we're talking about. I did do it before then, but it didn't quite work as well. The Packers of 1986, we said, were the worst team uh, in since the merger in Packer history. And they were 1,163rd on the list. So... Um, at least a little bit ahead of some other. I mean, that's 200 teams or 150 teams that are still worse than them. So I guess they yeah, got... I bet probably most of the other teams have uh, one of their historical teams below that. Yeah, you would think so. Um, and I also did a real quick uh, look at how many times that the best two teams were able to meet in the Super Bowl, and it was about you know 40 percent, 50 percent. So that seems pretty fair. Yeah, that's really high. Yeah, the the biggest mismatches were the two Giants Patriots. Uh, Giants Carolina actually was a big mismatch, and uh, so those were uh, kind of the biggest mismatches where there was a lot of teams in there. So sure. So if you want uh, more talk about that, go listen to the previous episode where we also break down the Patriots game. And uh, two episodes ago, we do our entire season picks, which I'm already questioning all of mine, but I'll stand by. <laughs> uh, so you can listen to that as well. Uh, you can. 
access any of that at greengoldforever.podbean.com. That's the number four. That's where our entire archives are. Uh, you can uh, talk to us on Facebook, Green and Gold Forever Podcast at Facebook, or you can tweet at me, at greengoldforever. Again, that's the number four, where I'll be uh, getting angry at the Brewers for still being bad despite them being bad for several months now, and uh, just general tweets during the game and anything else that might come on uh, my mind. So uh, if you want to follow us there, that would be great. And also uh, listen to the podcasts. Uh, in the archives and uh, stay tuned for future ones so uh, Matt real quick before we leave the Packers are coming home to take on the Eagles I'm actually kind of excited to see the Eagles a little bit closer up I mean I'm not going to the game but to see them uh, play against some of our guys as uh, they're quite an intriguing team this year yeah, and hopefully one of the Packers can put a Terrell Suggs like hit on Sam Bradford (laughs) did you see that what did you think of it uh I don't know. For the first time I saw it, I thought it was a little dirty, and then when I watched a few more angles, I was like, eh, whatever, that wasn't much. If it was a regular season game, it'd be no big deal, but I think it was just since it was the preseason. That's definitely the method for people to do against the read option, so I've got no problem with it. I think it's just because it was the preseason. It was a little maybe over the top. Yeah, he did have a quote, though, after he said, if you're going to have your uh, quarterback with two rebuilt knees run the read option, that's the risky run. That's on you. <laughs> yeah, or that's on you is what he said. Yeah, yeah but... I agree. He's just kind of an idiot, but he is. But in that case, I kind of agree too. I I wouldn't be running the read option with it in the preseason with a guy like Sam Bradford. Well, and Pete Carroll was belly aching today too that there isn't enough protection for running quarterbacks. It's like, well, that's the name of the game. What do you want him to do? Yeah. Let him just run to the end zone and not touch him? Yeah, if they're gonna run, they're officially a ball carrier. Then at that point, you're done with your quarterback protections. Then that's up to you. Yeah. Well, you know that's. He's just uh, upset because his quarterback either runs or throws it away in like two seconds like a panicky little kid. But All right, so hopefully we get some uh, better news coming out of the game in Philadelphia, and uh, we'll see what happens. But I think we're all a little bit on edge. But the sky is not falling yet. Uh, the Packers are very capable. Their roster can handle uh, blows like these. Not many more, but if it's just one or maybe two, I think they'll be okay. But... We'll just have to wait and see and uh, hope for the best. we still got a really good team. So for Matt in Altoona, I am Eric in Appleton. Thank you for tuning in, and join us next time. Take care, everyone.